BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hi there, I'm Randad Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. A Supreme Court ruling yesterday sharply limits the Biden administration's ability to limit carbon pollution from power plants. But KQED climate editor Kevin Stark reports it will not affect California's aggressive climate laws. In California, state laws regulate greenhouse gas emissions, especially in the power sector. But Bay Area environmentalists worry federal inaction on climate change means more severe droughts, fires, and floods here in California. Eric Busher is San Francisco Baykeeper's managing attorney. Majority on the court is going to make it more difficult for any sort of government institution to enact regulations. He fears the court's opinion opens the door to legal challenges on other climate rules, even California's long-held waiver from the EPA to regulate tailpipe emissions. For the California Report, I'm Kevin Stark. And in other environmental news, Governor Gavin Newsom has signed into law legislation that some are calling the toughest restrictions on the use and distribution of single-use plastics and packaging in the country. It will require that at least 30% of plastics sold or distributed in the state be recyclable by January 1st of 2028. By 2032, that gets bumped up to 65% of all plastics. The law also calls for big cuts in single-use plastic waste. Here's the bill's author, State Senator Ben Allen of Los Angeles County speaking on the Senate floor yesterday. This bill goes beyond the standard requirement of other packaging programs that simply cover costs. This bill includes ambitious environmental mandates that will ensure that California is at the forefront of tackling the packaging and plastic waste challenges that we have. The new laws considered a compromise between different environmental groups that were backing different proposals, and it also heads off the possibility of a plastics reduction initiative appearing on the November ballot. The plastics and packaging industry say the law is too broad and too vague. California is adding four new states to the list of places in which state-funded travel is banned due to anti-LGBTQ laws. KQED Politics Editor Scott Schaefer reports. Attorney General Rob Bonta is adding Arizona, Indiana, Louisiana, and Utah to California's Do Not Travel list. They all have enacted bans preventing transgender girls from participating in high school or collegiate sports. But some also repealed existing protections against LGBT discrimination, while Arizona now prohibits health care professionals from providing gender-affirming care to minors. A state law signed by former Governor Jerry Brown prevents the use of general fund money to pay for travel by employees of state agencies, departments, or commissions to states that discriminate against LGBT Americans. Paid travel to 22 states is now prohibited, including Texas and Florida, except where public health and safety are involved. For the California Report, I'm Scott Schaefer. 
The governor and the state legislature have agreed to eliminate more than $500 million in late payment fees on traffic violations for Californians. The California Report's Mary Franklin Harvin has that story. The penalties behind this half a billion dollar debt are known as civil assessments. They get tacked on as fines when someone doesn't pay off things like speeding tickets on time. The debt can compound over time and also be sent to collections. Lorena Vias is a single mother of four who lives in East Palo Alto. She says her civil assessment debt ballooned to around $1,000, and she eventually had to go on a payment plan. On her lunch break outside her office, she told me getting that debt cleared by the state is a big deal for her. I am actually very excited because that's one last thing that I have to worry about. I have rent, I have bills, I have my daughter's school. On top of that, I have other stuff that I have to deal with, so it's it's amazing. And while the state has agreed to eliminate this back debt, it has not fully eliminated the civil assessment. Instead, the fees will be cut down from a $300 maximum to a $100 maximum. Again, Vias. I'm very happy that they chose to do this. But I would, I would just like to say that, I mean, I know they went from 300 to $100, but $100 in the long run could be used for something else. Rent, daycare, food. Stephanie Campos Bowie is with the Policy Advocacy Clinic at UC Berkeley Law. She says the administration likely kept the fees in place as a way to hold people accountable for their traffic debts. But you can't pay your original traffic ticket an additional late fee is not going to encourage you um, to do that. So it really simply is just penalizing people who are living in poverty. According to Compost Bowie, the civil assessment debt won't just disappear because it's caught up in so many different systems. For The California Report, I'm Mary Franklin Harvin. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. More people are getting infected with COVID-19 at work. As KPCC's Jackie Fortier reports, there's been a steady increase in clusters of workplace cases since April in Los Angeles County. A cluster is defined by three or more cases in one location, with more than 300 workplaces reporting clusters of COVID-19 cases in the past week. L.A. County health officials are urging people to wear masks indoors. County Public Health Director Barbara Ferrer says there's more transmission at work sites because... Fewer staff and customers masking at the work sites, increases in on-site indoor meetings and events, and employees coming to work with symptoms. 
Ferrer recommended remote work when possible for vulnerable people. More than 5,000 Angelinos are testing positive on average each day, and more people are going to emergency rooms for care. If hospitalizations keep climbing, the county could impose another public mask mandate later this summer. For the California Report, I'm Jackie Fortier in Los Angeles. California immigration advocates applauded a Supreme Court ruling yesterday. It gives the Biden administration a green light to end a Trump-era immigration policy known as Remain in Mexico. KQED's Farida Javala-Romero reports. Under the policy, the Trump administration expelled about 70,000 asylum seekers to often dangerous conditions in Mexico to wait for U.S. immigration courts to resolve their claims. That can take years, and very few of them ever won the humanitarian protections. Now, in a 5-4 to four ruling, the Supreme Court decided the president has the right to change his predecessor's immigration policy and terminate Remain in Mexico. Kevin Johnson is dean of the UC Davis School of Law. It means that elections matter, and uh, it's worth reminding ourselves of the importance of presidential elections, their outcomes, and their impacts on policy. The Biden administration had tried to end the policy before, but was blocked by a lower court in Republican-led Texas after that state and Missouri sued. The states argued they'd suffer an undue burden on resources if asylum seekers were allowed in. The justice's ruling comes days after at least 53 migrants, including women and children, died of intense heat inside a tractor trailer while being smuggled into Texas, the latest example of the desperation they feel to get to the U.S. When we closed the border to asylum seekers, when we shut down uh, the, the legal pathway for them to present their claims, then they're left to risk their lives. Dulce Garcia directs Border Angels in San Diego, which supports 17 migrant shelters in Tijuana, where people celebrated the Supreme Court ruling. She says it's a huge win for asylum seekers. This means that there is hope that they can actually have their claim heard in front of an immigration judge while they remain in the U.S. side of the border rather than still in danger. But the border remains closed for most migrants, including asylum seekers. That's because of a pandemic restriction by the Trump administration that is still in place. For the California Report, I'm Farida Javala-Romero. Let's go to the Central Valley, where the city of Fresno approved $500,000 in funding to equip street vendors with surveillance cameras. It's part of an ongoing effort to protect the vendors from violent attacks. The camera program comes more than a year after the murder of Lorenzo Perez, a street vendor who sold corn, shaved ice, and other snacks in southeast Fresno. The funding will be used to provide cameras for 180 street vendors and five years of video storage. Count Councilmember Miguel Arias says street vendors are valuable members of the community, but the most vulnerable business owners in the city. For me, one of the highlights that at the same time that we made our police officers and firefighters the highest paid in the Central Valley, we are also investing in the smallest business owners that we have in our city. The video surveillance funding will also be used to help street vendors pay for their business permits. Mental health workers say Kaiser Permanente is not ready to comply with a new law that takes effect today. It requires insurers to shorten wait times between therapy appointments. KQED's health correspondent April Domboski reports. Jasmine Hakes is a longtime Kaiser patient, both in Sacramento and L.A. When her daughter Rihanna was about 12, she was diagnosed with multiple mental health challenges. Her situation escalated and we started imploring Kaiser for help. 
When Rihanna was 18, her doctors wrote in her medical records that she had a suicide plan and was at serious risk of overdose. We were told multiple times that they did not have a therapist that she could see regularly, and she was given pamphlets for meditation and sent home and told to go to the emergency room if it got worse. The next year, she was hospitalized for severe depression, then again for an overdose. Her mom called and emailed Kaiser every day to get her enrolled in regular care. Rihanna is 21 now. Repeatedly, we have been told that they would get back to us once they have a therapist available, and to this day, she still does not have a therapist. A new law that takes effect July 1st is supposed to fix this. It requires insurers like Kaiser to provide follow-up mental health appointments every two weeks. But Kaiser clinicians like Josh Garcia say their patients still have wait times of one to two months. It troubles me that the only idea I've heard possibly being under consideration is paring down mental health therapy appointments to 30 minutes. In a statement, Kaiser said it is expanding its virtual care options and its anxiety and depression treatment programs. It says it's working hard to build its workforce. It's added hundreds of new clinicians in recent years, but still has 300 open positions. For the California Report, I'm April Domboski. Hear that rumbling? Well, it's shockwaves in the world of college sports, as UCLA and USC have agreed to leave the Pac-12 conference for the Big Ten conference. The Bruins and Trojans will begin play in the Big Ten starting in 2024. Former Trojans quarterback Matt Leinart, who's now a college football analyst with Fox Sports, spoke to the Big Ten network. This is as much a financial decision as well. Uh, you look at the state of the Pac-12, and I'm a Pac-12 person. I love the Pac-12. Great memories, great moments, great teams, you know, great players throughout the years, coaches, all of those things. But when you look at where college football is going and, and what the SEC has done, you kind of look and you at USC and UCLA out here on the West Coast, and you say, hey, we got to make a move. And that's going to benefit our schools. Why do this? Well, money. The Pac-12 has traditionally lagged behind the other major conferences when it comes to TV revenue. It's unclear what will happen to the conference moving forward or if other schools may defect. The Pac-12 did issue a statement saying it was surprised and disappointed by the news. And that is the California Report for Friday, July 1st. We are a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin, Danny Bringer, and Jim Bennett, with assistance from Seal Muller. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin, Daphne Young, and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our director of news is Vinnie Tong. Our executive editor is Ethan Tobin Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from Personal Capital, providing people with financial tools like the Retirement Planner to help them achieve their financial goals. PersonalCapital.com Paint Care, now with 834 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at PaintCare.org and Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. 
Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find the link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts.